This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I am your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is myself, and my guest host is my boyfriend. Suck on that, listeners. Uh, Something that I had kind of entertained for a long time. Eric and I get into this in the beginning of the conversation, so I won't go too deep, but he offered to interview me about my love of wolves, and I accepted because I thought that was a good idea. I hope you enjoy this uh, bit of a departure from the typical structure of the show and uh, don't come to expect this to be a regular thing by any means, but I, I liked it a lot. It was fun. Uh, I probably still committed most of the uh, recording slash uh, driving duties just because it comes pretty naturally to me, but I thought Eric did a great job and even let me give him some live notes as we went along. (laughs) Uh, So get into that. Uh, Some quick plugs. Uh, If you want to see a good improv show, odds are one will happen every Thursday night at 9.30 in the Fishbowl, hosted by my group Sight Unseen, all the members whom have been past guests on this show and definitely fall into the category of wolf pack that I get emotional about at the end of the episode. Also, might I recommend another show in the Chicago podcast, Co-op Open-Ended. They just got some dope new uh, cover art and are trying to navigate uh, cross country recording. So Godspeed to them. They're doing the Lord's work and Sharon and James are just really wonderful people. Also both past guests of MBSing. Pretty cool accruing a pretty good crew. Also might I recommend the most recent episode of your stories from the Nerdalogs. It's the first half of our show at Meltdown in Los Angeles at the end of last month, and there are some great stories and songs therein. Also check out This Coming Mondays, because that's the second half. Makes sense? Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think there was one thing that I felt remiss for not mentioning, and that is that... (laughs) Uh, at one point in my time in Chicago, the women of the Nerdalogs started referring to me as the Alpha, and that has to do with menstruation, because I was pulling other women around me towards my cycle. Whoops. Uh, something I cannot literally control, but made me laugh because it was uh, for, for a time there. I was the alpha. You know what I'm saying? Because I listened to the previous episode today, mm-hmm. and I got that there's like, 
an intro beat of conversation, and then when that <laughs> that kind of f- meets its its ending point, uh-huh. you, you kind of you launch into it. Uh huh. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I end up talking to the person for like too long off mic, and then mm-hmm. by the time we get started on mic. Um, I'm just like, we gotta, we gotta get in here. <laughs> but it would be, I think it would be rude to like have people like have it, like have the mics hot when people walk into the room. Yeah. I think it's weird too. And I know there are other hosts who do that, but Cause they're I, gonna catch you, man. They're yeah. Gonna get you in a, you're gonna come in and say some. There's been multiple times where someone's <laughs> been like, wait, are you going to use like everything since you turn this on? You know? But well, what if they said like something like very like bad? <laughs> Like, they said something horribly racist. And, like, you're just like, Mike's around, dude. Sorry. It's the uh, show. I would have to reevaluate why I had asked that person <laughs> to be on my podcast. <laughs> I think that's what would happen in that situation. Mm. Um, my guest today is Mary Beth Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, the... Um, do you want me to? Well, I'm. I am technically the host. Um, I'll, I'll apologize offhand for not being as capable of a host as Mary Beth Smith is, <laughs> uh, having 191 episodes under her belt. That sounds about right. The uh, we decided to we not we Mary Beth uh, unilaterally <laughs> decided to uh, switch up the format for the unilaterally. week. Unilaterally. I don't know. I don't have decisions. I just It was your idea. suggestion. I pitched the idea, to be fair, but I okay. have no Okay. I was I like, no don't make this power. sound like I'm like, have you at gunpoint or something. Well, I, I also said we decided, as if I'm involved, like, as if I have any authorship over anything that happens at all, I which guess is not accurate, is, is what I was saying. Uh, that's more fair, yeah. but to be very clear, it was your idea and your offer. Yes. Um, to 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 the, do the old switcheroo and have Mary Beth be the guest on our on her own podcast today. Yeah. Um, it's funny that when I looked at the episode, this is one ninety two, and I was like, oh, this feels like something that would be good for like a two hundredth episode. <laughs> I I thought that when you offered, uh, I still don't know what I'm going to do for my two hundredth episode. We got eight weeks, so we'll call it countdown to two hundo. <laughs> It's like, why do hundos get all the, I get know. All the anniversaries? And that's another reason why Celebrate. I don't care that yeah. much. But I've also done, it hasn't been the hundos that have been the... Yeah, you've been doing them on the 52s. Yeah, I've been doing more one-year and two-year and three-year anniversaries than... Uh, but I have also had, like, at Messing was my 50th guest. Yeah. Um, I did... Instead of doing two years, I did a hundred episodes for my big like live show for that right uh, time around, and then I did the three year call in thing. Oh, the three year was the call in thing. I was trying to, I was racking my head because I remember <coughs> the first. Uh, I should introduce. I haven't said who I am, have I? You haven't. Uh, my, my name is uh, former guest of the show. <laughs> uh, past guest. Of past the guest show. of the show. Excuse me. You're uh, still. You're still a guest of the show. <laughs> Well, the, yeah, but I'm a guest host of the show now. Great. So I've got I've got a few former guest a, now host. Yeah, I've got a few, <laughs> current current temporary host, former uh-huh. guest, soon to be former guest host. <laughs> uh, my name is Eric Brayband. Uh, I I've been on the show. I've known Mary Beth for a few years now. 
Um, we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this for the living room of the apartment that we happen to share together. We happen to. There's no reason for us to share it other than we have been in a relationship for three years. <laughs> Almost three, not quite three. I was going to say other than cohabitation, so you went deeper into the details than... Yeah, I mean, but I think... It's no secret. I don't think it's a secret either. No. I don't know that the the casual person who may listen to this show but not, you know, know you super personally would know my name. Probably true, yeah. So, uh, which is by design. I keep Unless things, they, I keep things yeah, off the grid, man. You're so off the grid now. <laughs> I'm very off I the grid. I envy your off the gridedness. Uh, I mean, you can do it. It's, I know. It's, it's always in but set, how would, settings. But how would I bring this uh, wonderful experiment to the people? That's true. That's true. That's, That's a, like... This um, is the reason why you must remain on the grid. It's a, truly a big reason that I do for... I don't know whether that's like a good thing or a bad thing, but it's something I think about. Yeah, as long as like I think there's a difference between doing it to like here's a thing I do, so this is a mechanism in which I make people aware of it versus sure. like here's everything I think all the time. Yeah, I'm just and let I me can't pass be that person. My opinions as facts, and and uh, I could do more uh, avoidance of that kind of you know spewing than I do. Yeah. But let's get to the topic at hand. I don't feel like you typically like really hard introduce the topic. Uh, usually when I introduce the guest, I'll say what they're going to be talking to me See, about. So I already screwed it up. That's okay. It's, no, uh, it's not. It doesn't always happen. Ugh. Sometimes I'll introduce the guest. See, what I would have done if I'm going to give you live notes mm-hmm. is once... Feel free. That can be part of this. Once I was talking <laughs> about... Uh, being off the grid, that yeah. would have been my launching point for sure. Yeah, see, I and you know, I had that instinct, but I hesitate. You gotta, you can't ignore, you can't ignore your animal instincts, man. There you go. <laughs> see, like you're already more skilled at getting back on the topic. Where I would, I would have gone miles away from. It. I mean, I have like hundreds of hours of experience <laughs> at this point. At this and a base love for the topic, so it's always in the front of your mind as it is. That's true. Do you want to introduce? Do you want to tell people what you're here to talk about? Um. We're going to be talking what you're about... you're here to talk about. <laughs> like, why you came on your own show. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. If the, yeah, for sure. Like, people... I will also say before I introduce what I'm here to talk about, that, like, over the years, a number of very good friends of mine have offered to, like, be... To do this for me nice. and to, like, be this person. And I've always kind of, like, shied away from it. Yeah. Just because it felt... Uh, self-aggrandizing and sure but then somehow you asking me felt different than if it were just like another friend of mine i don't know i'll take that as a compliment it should be one and also (laughs) it just yeah but but i also think it shouldn't be that self-aggrandizing because i think it's a thing i think podcasts are a medium in which through a host interviewing a group of people, you get to know the host more than you get to know the people that are necessarily interviewing. That's true, because and there's 191 conversations that involve me. That, and yeah, there are all half you. Ish. Yeah. Uh, that involve another person, so each other person. At some point, I think people who listen to the show take an active interest in, in the host and want to hear what they have to say about a topic or two. In a way that they, that. you know what I mean? Because you're, you're like giving them little pieces of you yeah. to supplement other people. But we'll, For sure. let's go all you, you know? Okay. And I feel like there's been a couple topics that would have 
that you could have done that other people did. Yeah, and I was even open about that when I guested with, or when I had Trin Garitano on the show. That's the one I was, yeah, Uh, referencing. Parks certainly, and I've referenced that many times in the life of the show, uh, that Parks would be the thing that I would talk about. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of, I kind of got to at that uh, yeah. Hundo mark. It worked. Yeah, <laughs> always the Hundos. Always the Hundos. But your love of this topic predates your love of parks for sure. Because this is something that's been around longer. Yes. Because, <laughs> because it's not a television show. Um, I'm going to talk about how much I love wolves. Wolves. Yeah. Tim, can you spell that for us? W U V E S. Wolves. W U. <laughs> What did I say? That is what you said. (laughs) Okay. I'm just clarifying because I don't think any, when you say that, anyone knows what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) You don't think that the mind can make the leap from wolves to wolves? I think they could, but when someone says, I like wolves, you're like, (laughs) I must have misheard you. Because I heard a word that sounds like other words, but I'm 100% positive is not a word. See, as soon as you told me uh, that you you had this idea and you used the spelling and pronunciation yeah. that I often do, I was like, well, how am I going to bill it? Because like, if I bill it as... Wolves. Wolves. <laughs> do I put a sick next to it? I, don't think, I mean, I don't think so. I think you just W-U-V-E-S and then... You spell it out. And I think there's a mystery that you've cultivated that people will be in true. So when you say wolves, you are saying, you mean wolves as in the animal. Correct. Uh, But your way of saying, you've decided to say wolves. Yes. Um, So the first question that I'll ask is where does your like or love of the topic originate from yeah um now live note me there was that close uh, enough i usually i will say that because i begin the podcast the same way so many times i try to vary it but because the person i'm actually having the conversation with more often than not doesn't know that yeah i will typically ask the question in the same way which is what's the origin of your love for For, this topic yeah i just kind of flipped it a little yeah that's fine but what is the origin of your love for this topic um wolves aka wolves i was thinking about this uh and i think mostly it comes from a love of uh the outdoors as a kid but what i realized was I think I loved more the idea of the outdoors <laughs> than, like, actually being outside. I can relate to that. Because I think I was kind of an indoor kid in terms of I watched a lot of TV and, uh, you know, did a lot of homework uh, <laughs> Ooh. when I was a kid. But I definitely did, you know, I played sports, which would probably be the main, you know, if you added up all the hours that I spent outside as a kid, sports would probably be the biggest chunk of the pie chart. But I also did a decent amount of like gallivanting with my friend, Mary Helen, who you've met, uh, who should definitely be on the show at some point. Absolutely. I think I may have even asked her, uh, if she could like Skype in for it at some point, but she just wasn't available when I was asking anyway. Um, so I definitely like spent time outside and I did stuff with the girl scouts and, and, and did enjoy the outdoors when I was in it. But I don't think I actively sought it out a right. lot. Uh, so, and then I think along with that, kind of combined with my love of daggies. Daggies, <laughs> sure. Uh, 
I love dogs. My family has always had at least one uh, retriever yeah. uh, at any given time when I was growing up, like throughout my life. And a lot of them were all related to one another. Um, like they, we just kept getting like one more in the line of the same golden retrievers and like other members of my extended family had them too. So I just had this like very deep love of like companion based dogs. Like the, the idea of, of, um, a retriever or like a sled dog was very romantic to me as a kid, along with the outdoors like i was super into like gary paulson books were my fucking jam and i think that that and like some other young adult fiction that was like dog based or wolf based really call the wild i don't know if i I, and i knew jack london yeah i knew call the wild was gonna come up and i don't think i've ever actually read i don't think i ever read it um i don't remember a thing about it i know i read i read like Pretty much every Gary Paulson book that was in print when I was like in middle school. What are his books? Oh, Hatchet, Hatchet is the huge yeah, okay. one. I never read Hatchet. So it's like Hatchet. Uh, uh, it had a couple of follow ups. One was called Brian's Winter, which was like Hatchet ends with him getting rescued. Yeah. But Brian Brian's Winter is an alternate ending where he has to actually live Ooh. out the whole winter after Ooh. he gets like uh he was in a small plane crash yeah. and uh so i thought that was really like a, as a like newbie to like storytelling yeah and like you know that's cooler than anything i would have ever read. like here's a different version isn't that's that so book. cool no, like yeah, we had like one thing, and yeah. it was always that. That's- I thought that was so interesting, and and for Hatchet to be such a, a like ubiquitous like middle school outdoorsy kind mm-hmm. of story, uh, I thought that was fascinating that he chose to write like this alternate timeline of him having to survive through the winter uh, with like all the same things he had in Hatchet, but yeah. a little bit more. Um, know-how. Uh, and he wrote a few other companions to it as well. I believe there was one where, like, you basically followed, like, the first timeline of him, like, returning to, uh... I, I had no idea Hatchet was this complicated. It's got a lot going for it. Listen, Paulson had some big ideas, and I was on board for pretty much all of them. Uh, I remember he had one book that was just about this guy who liked to build kit cars, and I was like, I don't care about cars, Gary. Get me back outside. <laughs> but I read the it's whole thing. Just play the hits, Paulson. <laughs> yeah. I am here to be drawing pictures of how I would fashion homemade fish hooks that I'll never use. <laughs> Did you, because you have, uh, you have, I think, because I obviously didn't go into it, but you have ample woods yeah. behind your house. Did you do, as a kid, did you do a lot of, uh, like, kind of just exploring and traipsing around the woods and, like... Absolutely. Did that tie into your, to, like, the interest in it and kind of, like, let you, allow you to fantasize? Because I can see a smaller version of you who's, like, reading Hatchet <laughs> and then, like, going out and, like, walking around the woods and, like, hoping you... Like run into like a wolf, excuse me, a wolf, and you become like pals, and like I can imagine you imagining that scenario and kind of like, like going out to the wood, and your dad being like, "Hey, where are you going?" And you're like, ah, "I gotta go." 
try to hopefully meet a wolf a wolf buddy. Um you're nailing it. <laughs> Cause that definitely, definitely was the thought process. Like when I was talking about uh traipsing around with my friend Mary Helen, like yeah. that was she was like my partner in crime where a lot of that was concerned. And we would go out in the woods and I Definitely, definitely had, like, fantasies of another book series that I was a big fan of uh, was called My Side of the Mountain. Um, and they were, like, it, it was at least a trilogy. And uh, it was about this kid who was a falconer. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember what the impetus was, but he just decided he was going to go live in the woods. Yeah, um, It was kind of like a younger, like... Is Into the Wild fiction? I think... Wait, Into the Wild is the Emile Hirsch movie. Yeah, yeah, that's based on the real... The Chris something It's a real dude, right? Yeah, he yeah. really did that. He really that's did what that. I thought. Okay. So, I would say it's kind of like a, a lighter, fictionalized Into the Wild. Okay. But this kid would like... It was always boys, except Julia the Wolves. Maybe that's why I was a big yeah. fan of Julia the Wolves. But it was like, he, he took his... It was either a falcon or a hawk. Frightful. I think it was a was hawk, the actually. Name? Yeah. Okay. Or I don't know if that was an adjective for how you generally uh, feel about falcons. Um, no, I like birds of prey, too. Uh, <laughs> but they... Uh, so he took... Um, he took his hawk into the woods, and he, like, uh, drew a bunch of diagrams, like that were part of the book of him like hollowing out the inside of a tree to live in uh-huh. and building like a chimney into it and the ways that he would fashion like pieces of leather into um like straps for for which to like uh harness and train his hawk to <laughs> bring him food (laughs) it was like i don't know why i had such a an attraction to a lifestyle like that other than i think maybe because i already didn't feel like i had that many close friends so Uh i was like "Eh, why not you know like (laughs) let's cut the cord the the way you just described that to me also seems like there's there's some like innate part of you that is analytical in that sense, and likes the how did I take this and make this that? Yes, which reads for you for you, the chemistry side of you for you sure. You know what I mean? Like yes. so, like I don't see much of a leap there. And if you're surrounded by, uh, you know, a sprawling woods because you live in a pretty less popular yeah your parents house is population less dense what's what am i trying to say um, you know you don't have a lot of neighbors very close to you right <laughs> um so Lower you could density yeah so you could go in the woods and just kind of walk for sure yeah and there were like creeks um yeah. by my house and by my friend mary helen's house uh that we would like i would you know we would drag around sticks and logs and like sure. build stuff and dick around and like did you have crawdads um i don't think i ever found wild crawdads we had them we we had one creek that 
and you've been to my old, it's a more of a housing plan. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's a bunch of houses, but there are like spots where there was a little bit of nature. So we yeah, used to like. Yeah, ours was more like a small subdivision. Yeah. Like still surrounded by woods. Whereas yours is like a big housing plan. Yeah. Like surrounded by other big housing, housing plans. plans. So yeah. there was this one spot in the housing plan that was next to ours that we would bike to. And then we'd go in the creek. And like, it's so weird to think about because when you're a kid, it seems so big to me. But it was literally just a a tunnel that was dug under the street and there was a creek so we could like run through the tunnel oh. and it felt like you could like it was so long and then like it went back a ways but not but not more than maybe like a couple hundred yards but we would like go down there That's and funny. we would catch crawdads crawdads uh, down in the creek no there were tadpoles but i don't remember yeah. any uh crawdads um so i you know that's a lot more about like the outdoors than mm-hmm. it really is about wolves, Whoops. but I think <laughs> it really was the the like Venn diagram meeting of really loving dogs and like always growing up with dogs in uh, my immediate family and my extended family and loving that I I do think there that you're probably spot on with the like analytical nature of even hatchet like a big thing that i took away from hatchet was um he only survives in the book and like he's starving like he Mm -hmm. can't figure out how to build a fire uh because he's never had to try uh and the only thing he really has like from as a tool of any kind from the uh crash is a hatchet and he's like living in a cave and one night, uh, like a raccoon or something gets into his cave and he wakes up and he grabs the hatchet hatchet and he tries to throw it at the raccoon. And it, um, first of all, if I remember correctly, it like breaks off one of the corners of the hatchet, which seems insane. Did it hit the raccoon? No, it hit the wall okay. of the... I was like, that's a hard raccoon. Yeah, but it did, like, he realizes not that night, but, like, later on. He, so, because it breaks part of his hatchet, he gets really mad at himself yeah. because he's like, that was foolish. Like, yeah. I can't believe I made that mistake. I can't make mistakes like that. Like, this is about survival. And... Uh, <laughs> And then eventually, after the fact, he, like, remembers, he, like, recalls, you know, the kind of, like, reverie of waking up and having it happen and, like, seeing the hatchet hit the side of the cave. And he remembers that it sparked. And so he's Ah. like, oh, shit. And so he, like, (laughs) gets a, you know. And that's not, you're paraphrasing. (laughs) No, that's that's Paulson, man. He went a little blue. It was just all caps, like, way before Aziz Ansari was popular. So that was crazy. Yeah, but it's all caps, oh, shit. I've heard him referred to as the YA Aziz. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Gary YA Aziz Paulson. Uh, do you remember any sort of moment where you were just like, cause I feel like as a kid I had moments when like likes and interests would come into like, into focus and I would be like, oh, I like this. Do you have that moment with I know, I think I know when. That's just kind of like. I think I know when it was and it's also book related. Yeah. And I think it was when I started reading the Animorphs books. (laughs) Oh, he just spit his I did. I almost did. Which is that. another thing that I could have easily talked about, that's but why, have gotten the opportunity. That's why I reacted the way that to I did. talk about yeah. it before, uh, which you're also uh, present for. Right. Um, that was early on. 
Yeah, the in our relationship. Yes. Yes. No, in the history of time. <laughs> in the history of time in 2 BC. Yeah. When podcasts uh, still existed. Um so uh yeah, I started reading those books in like second grade and it may not second or third and it I think third actually. Um and it may not have been the f- very first time. I probably liked Wolves before that. But like what? Wolves. <laughs> but I will say that like I got very into that book series and one of the first morphs they acquired was Cassie, who was probably the character that I felt like I related to the most. Yeah. Um acquired a wolf as her like uh battle morph. <laughs> and then eventually they all did to be able to travel through the woods easily. Okay. Um. So. So they all the animorphs could morph into wolves. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of animals that they so actually I- all got, so that they like in the fourth book, I think it is, or maybe the third one. Anyway, one of the first in the first five books. Uh, they're kind of just, like, figuring out, like, what they can do and, mm-hmm. like, where they can go and what they should be doing to try to fight against this alien race that's invaded the country. <laughs> and uh, they all get dolphins mm-hmm. because they um, need to go out into the ocean. So uh, they there are a lot of animals that they all acquire the ability to morph into so that they can all do the same thing together. Mm-hmm. So whether it's like they all have a different bird of prey, they all have BOP. BOP, You know me. (laughs) You don't have BOPs. That's a little (laughs) bit. I was trying to make uh, you done with BOP. I mean, I was gonna say osprey, but it's yeah, it's It's osprey. It's osprey. You can only change the pronunciation of so many animals. (laughs) Agreed. So I I think I think that might have been really what like solidified it. So I don't remember a specific time when I was like, oh, it's wolves, like for <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm a wolves girl. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that specific time, but I do know that once. Oh, hello, Cookie. Our little cat is here, being asking for some petting. So if you hear that. That's what that is. Cookie, say hi. She just wants to be part of the conversation. Say hi. Cookie, meow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she hears me talking about wolves and getting jealous. Yeah. She's like, but tigers? What would be the equivalent? Um, yeah. For a cat? Well, probably dogs, closer wo- to lions because wolves they... are to dogs as cats, as something as to cats, rather. Probably lions yeah. because they're also, like, pack traveling yeah well a lot of other big cats don't like live and operate together as far as i know did you ever do uh like a classic like elementary school like book report on on wolves i think so Yeah. yeah i think i think so i know i read that book julia the wolves that i referenced earlier and i know that was for something school related. There's actually a picture of me in our newspaper that I think I've shown you before in our hometown newspaper yes. of me in the library reading Julia the Wolves. Yes, I believe I've seen this. And how old were you at? 
I was in like eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. That's prime that's a prime wolves spot. Yeah. Did they make like those Lisa Frank? Yeah. With wolves. Like I had some of those, but I wasn't big on Lisa Frank yeah. because it was very like effeminate to me. Yeah. Um, and I was never very that like if I wanted you know, a notebook, I wanted like a red one or a blue one. <laughs> you know, not like a bright pink purple green because those are mostly horses right yeah a lot of horses a lot of cats i can definitely like puppies but i don't remember ones that were specifically wolves wolves, yeah because i think the because like the the one wolf shirt you have not the one but this one i'm referencing that feels to me very like trapper keepery yes (laughs) and i think i honestly did have something that was like and that's the thing is once you Wolves, especially as a young person, once you get into it, it's a very easy thing to, like, gift into. Oh, for sure. So, I had a lot of shirts. I had a lot of... (laughs) I had a a number of puzzles. There was one puzzle that we had, I I think I might have told you about before, and I may have even referenced it on the podcast before, that was shaped like a wolf, and the inside of the picture was a pack of running wolves. But so it wasn't a rectangle. It was wolf shaped. Wolf <laughs> And once we finished it, my parents bought a bunch of like puzzle saver and we put like it's kind of it's just like What is puzzle saver? Uh it just looks like rubber cement. Oh okay. It just like comes in a, so a you, bottle. You glued the puzzle together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we glued it together and I had it thumbtacked over my bed on my wall makes, for a very long time. This makes sense. <laughs> like when you saw my house without that hanging in my room was probably the first time I saw my house <laughs> for like over um, at least a decade, if Damn. not like a decade and a half, I would say, of time that that thing graced my wall. Because I just. <laughs> I loved puzzles. I loved wolves. I saw no reason to not yeah, like, it was like feature it in a prime way. That makes a lot of sense. Here's a thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about maybe a contrast between you and wolves. The, the concept of a lone wolf or how we learned that wolves stay kind of, even though they have a pack, Mm-hmm. They're very. They are very kind of exclusive. Uh, in terms of their like, pack. their pack is their pack, right? Yeah. There's like three or four of them, yeah. and they stay tight. And I feel like that might be the only contrast I could find between because you, you think and I'm more. I'm I more think you're a social. You're, I'm a but more that's more you're egalitarian like a, wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not a lone wolf. You're an egalitarian wolf. That's the way you're more like a puppy than a wolf. Yes. If I yes, very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was listening to something that was comparing someone to, or like talking about the abilities of dogs and puppies to be just like blindly, uh, loyal and enthusiastic. And that trait definitely isn't necessarily associated with wolves. And I think that part of it might... Like, I also had a really big interest in, um, like, dog sledding and, sure. like, husky dogs. I read, I read some YA dog sledding book, and I can't remember what the hell it I is. I definitely read at least a couple as well. And, uh, man, well, Julia the Wolves, she definitely had a sled. <laughs> and, like, 
my mom's brother's family, my uncle Craig, they had a husky for many, many years yeah. that I definitely met um, at least one of the ones that they had because they had more than one uh, over you know the 30 years of my life. But I was always kind of jealous that they, even though I love retrievers, yeah. they're beautiful, amazing dogs. I was always had this like slight jealousy of like anyone who had a big like snow dog or herding dog because they did seem closer to uh, the makeup of uh, a wolf. And and I guess there's truth to that in terms of like. But every dog is what percent wolf? Oh, like 98? Yeah. Isn't that what they said? Yeah, pretty close. I grew up next to uh, one of the uh, next door neighbors I had because people would move in and out of the houses uh, while we stayed in one house. Had an Alaskan Malamute? Malamute? Mm-hmm. Malamute, yeah. However you pronounce it. And that thing was enormous. Like, they're big. Humongous. Yeah, they're really big. And I used to babysit the kids who lived there because I babysat, which doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> Why did I babysit anyone? I was like this, this broody, like, I like ska music teen. I was like, yeah, but you were also like. Who wanted to give me $10 to like. I'm sure people saw you as like huh. smart and discerning and. I guess. I don't know. Not necessarily. I don't want to say safe because the, like. The, nah, dude. I'm, that, I'm so dangerous. <laughs> that would probably read as like an insult, but I don't mean it as one. Um like, I could see people seeing a young you yeah. as, like, a trustworthy I don't know. I feel like entity. it was just, like, all awkwardness and, like, <laughs> this baby fat's going to go away. It's not all the pizza, right? <laughs> like, like, it's one of, the, like, one of those but things. But you also had, like, more hair than anything else. Yeah. Then, yeah, then, like, social skills. <laughs> <laughs> you had so much hair. It was bad. Uh, I had really bad haircuts, too, so I have no room to But, talk. yeah, I used to babysit these kids, and they had an Alaskan Malamute, and it was... So mild tempered, which was surprising because yeah. I remember thinking like this thing could rip me apart if it wanted to. Yeah, and they are huge, huge creatures. Yeah, and it's so. Yeah, I guess there is a difference, like personality wise, there because I'm definitely not. Um, I think you're you're fiercely loyal, like a wolf would be. I like to think. I so just too. feel. I think. I here's. I feel like here's the spin. It's. Your packet, you have a big pack. That's what I was going to say. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> little wolf with a big pack. You're, you're, you're a little wolf with a big pack. Yeah. I think that works. I think so, too. Um, I think so, too. <laughs> I was trying to not do that. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> your show, man. <laughs> uh, didn't you already do It Is Not A Two More? Or was that before I, that we That was before recording? we started recording. Oh, no. But that's, like, not from another thing, right? What? Isn't the thing you did from another thing? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's not a tumor. It's also from kindergarten. Yeah, that's why I got confused. I was like, well, they're both references to other pieces of uh, media. True. Um, so, let's see. What do you... I have an inclination to yeah. talk about the trip that we I had figured recently. we were getting there soon. Yeah, but I didn't... Do you, if there was anything else you wanted to talk about where, like, my childhood love of it was concerned or anything like that, feel free. But we could also I, come back to it. Before we get there, why don't we 
try to proceed chronologically, but do you feel like your love of wolves changed or evolved as you grew up and went to like governor's school and college? Uh, was it something you, I like, did you have like a stuffed wolf that you took everywhere? Cause I wish you did. So I definitely had, um, a TY like beanie baby oh. wolf. And I had a, a husky, um, or like snow dog stuffed animal, both of which I love, 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 love. Like my favorite two TY beanie babies were the wolf and the golden retriever. Um, which is just a puppy. Um, <laughs> but I guess one of the, so I don't know. Oh, governor school. Uh, I don't, I don't know about governor school. Actually kind of still then when I got to high school, um, I went back into a high school that did not have uniforms. And for, Two out of the three years of middle school, I did have to wear uniforms. And I didn't really do much outside of school that warranted me having, like, school... What I would deem school-appropriate clothing. What would you deem school-appropriate clothing? Um, you know, things that weren't gonna get me ridiculed. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, were a little more presentable than, like, the, you know, giant, uh, like, Olympics 96 t-shirts, okay. you know, that I would, like, sleep in and stuff. You mean the stuff I wear now? Exactly. <laughs> okay. I, not exactly, but to a certain extent, yes. T-shirt with generic printed graphic on it. Yeah, and not even that as much as like I didn't have clothes that like fit me very well because I was kind of like in a weird I was also like uh turning into the early 2000s and we were realizing that like everyone wearing their clothes like three sizes too big in the 90s was not a good yeah. look but I just didn't I hadn't like aged out of that combined with the time hadn't passed enough yet for me to, for my like closet to have caught up with (laughs) that idea. Does that make sense? Yes. So I I mean, I've never been particularly fashionably on, uh, with the trends. So I haven't either, but you know what I'm saying? I do. Like in the late nineties, all I had and all I wore were like medium and large sized t-shirts and I wear a small now oh. and it's like a little too big for me usually. Yeah. So I was wearing gigantic <laughs> clothing and I must have looked ridiculous. So when I got into <laughs> high school, some of the only clothing I had that I wore outside of school, uh, you know, not in front of prying eyes were <laughs> like six or seven wolf (laughs) t-shirts and i was like not bold enough to wear those with any like regularity so i tried to like get more clothes that weren't that uh but i also wore a lot of like you know like t-shirts from plays that I was in and like marching band t-shirts and like regular band t-shirts, like, you know, Jason Mraz t-shirts and stuff. (laughs) 
<laughs> were you, uh, uh, I know that, uh, never mind. The, uh, were you ashamed of liking wolves or was it just that the shirts were somewhat like, this is a shirt you wear when you're hanging out in your basement all day kind I of thing? I think it was. Because I don't picture you as having wolf shame and no one should. Thing, though is like, no one should for sure. But I definitely, this is why I went back to like the beginning mm-hmm. of high school as opposed to the question that you actually asked, which was like governor school yeah. through college. Um, because in my first couple of years of high school, I was definitely still like intensely aware of <laughs> what people thought of sure. me. And I think there is a stigma surrounding a certain type of typically girl yeah who is very into animals and sure. wears like animal t-shirts <laughs> yeah. whether it's like horses or yeah cats or whatever it is that i think uh, horses i think when i think about i think that's a horse girl you yes. know what i mean <laughs> horse girl is a term that i think people understand when i use it and i think i didn't want to yeah. have that like reputation because I think people already associated me with being very, like, nerdy and scholastic. And I didn't want, on top of that, to be the wolf girl. Right. So I think that's definitely... There was an element of, like, shame to it. And then I just had to kind of get past that. So I would say... When I went to governor school, I didn't take any of those shirts with me. So they also didn't really make it to college. So I do think that's probably the period where my love like waned the most. And I I didn't have that giant puzzle in my rooms. (laughs) But I will say throughout that, my mom and grandmother, her mom, and my other grandmother too, my Gamby, all three of them uh encouraged this interest so much in the sense that they would like send me articles or give me gifts <laughs> it was it's That's very really sweet it's really really sweet and i would say that that lasted like through that time yeah. period especially through when i was at governor school because you know my family was like looking for ways to keep in touch with me right and those were the kinds of things that um, made them think of me. So, like, a lot of the knowledge that I have of uh, particularly, like, um, the Wolf Project at, at Yellowstone National Park is from the women in my family, uh, like, knowing that I had this interest and encouraging it and supplementing it, even during years where I probably wasn't as, like, outwardly enthusiastic about right. it. Um, and, and what is that project at that part? Uh, so, uh, sometime in the 90s, I think they restarted, um, I don't know enough of the facts about it, but uh, Yellowstone was becoming really, uh, like, a bunch of things were, like, dying out in the park, and it was losing a lot of vegetation, and I uh, know now, um, as a result of a recent uh, thing that we did together, that like a lot of the problem um, was the overpopulation of elk in the park. 
So one of the only things that kept that population at bay were the wolf packs that used to exist in the park. But over the course of um, a lot of years of... uh, I don't know if they actively went in to remove the wolves or not. I thought it was that. Because I I, think... they didn't move on, I don't think, and they weren't. They obviously weren't hunted. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. I so, feel like it's that, even though I'm not sure. I think you're right too. That, and that's that's definitely something I, I want to get into when we talk about yeah. the next thing. Is that there's this huge like misnomer of wolves being very aggressive, and uh, they are, but like only <laughs> when threatened. Like right. so, they just. Don't, like, if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. alone. They're surprisingly, like, kind of chill. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Which they're very, and you said this a matter of days ago. You know what I'm about to say? (laughs) Is it about how they eat? Yeah. We were at dinner, (laughs) and you either ate all your food or a little bit of your food. And someone commented on it. Oh, I ate. You all your yeah, and you and your response was they said, "Wow, you keep, like you put you clean that plate or something." Yeah, and your response, without missing a beat, was like a wolf. I'm a feast or famine eater, and, and every, everyone laughed really hard. hard. But also because they were like, "What? We weren't talking about wolves." You said it as if we were, but wolves were nowhere near the conversation. <laughs> So it was, it was a laughter of, like, that's silly, and also, what the hell Where did that go from? Um, but, so, we learned a lot about wolves recently. Um, when was that? October? No, it was October. Because we were up there for uh, the wedding. No. No? It was November. We were up there the, for, for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's what it was. Uh, uh, uh. For Christmas or your birthday? Was it Christmas? For my birthday. For your birthday. One of the... And this... this I like that there's a theme of people, uh, your parents uh, or your grandparents, giving gifting you wolf-related items. Pretty um, sure there is. As, as a boyfriend who's, like, looking for things to... Uh, to to get you for the various birthdays or holidays, things that come up, I always kind of, in the front of my mind... There's like, what are the what are the base things in my best lives? And I think of like the wolves and the Braves and like those are always things that are hovering yeah, around my head. Yeah, Glenn Hansard. Glenn Hansard. Yeah, I probably could have done a whole episode on Glenn Hansard too. You could have, yeah. But uh, here he, we are. He's like the wolf of folk rock. He is the wolf <laughs> of folk rock. He's the once is the hatchet of the indie film world. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true at all. Uh, a, lot true? Of, a lot of Paulson and Carney's work. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, so uh, one of the th- I was looking up. I wanted to take you to see some wolves, and I knew that there were like wolf reservations and places to go. There are some in Illinois, which apparently have spotty records. Don't quote me; I haven't seen them. But yeah. there's. One in, like, Tinley Park or something that I read up on and was, like, not very favorable. I've looked at it before, too. Yeah. And the reviews are just too... 
there's too many that are like, ooh, I don't know about this place for me to feel good about it. So as I was still looking into that, I got scared because it's like, what if I picked a bad one? Yeah. And I made you go have a bad, like, or a sad experience yeah. with wolves. But um, thankfully, that's not what happened. Um, because my brother lives in Connecticut and we go there from time to time for holidays or family events... Um, I knew there an opportunity would present itself for us to visit a wolf reservation in uh, South Salem, New York, which is just like right on the border of Connecticut. There, mm-hmm. uh, so that's so for one of your presents, I uh, adopted a wolf in your name mm-hmm. and told you that we would the next time we were up there, which we knew was coming up for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. we would go to the, the either the wedding or Thanksgiving. Yeah, one of the two trips we would go to uh, the. The wolf conservation, they have this big conservation uh, center, center up there and do one of their programs and just see some wolves. Uh, so we got to do that. Yeah. And it was kind of great. It was awesome. The, and- uh, the organization is, I believe it's the wolf, Con- the wolf Conservation Center in South Salem, New York. I believe their website is nywolf.org. I think that's exactly uh, right. It's a pretty solid website. There's cameras where you can watch stuff. It's uh, yeah, you can. That's we can cool like just look up um, their cameras and just see yeah. what their wolves are doing at any given time. So uh, we got that, with the last thing. I'm sorry to before we go off on that whole experience. We also have to mention that the wolf. You could choose to make a donation to any of the different wolves, mm-hmm. and. I chose one specifically, mm-hmm. not knowing what we found out later that uh, her name is Alewa, mm-hmm. which is an Algonquin word that roughly translates to sweet pea. Um, which is adorable. Yeah. At a base level. <laughs> but uh, in June, well, in April, right? April or May? Yeah. Right before my birthday in June. Yeah. We were visiting my parents. And uh, after losing the uh, the last golden retriever in the line of golden retrievers that we had uh, had when I was growing up, they were getting a replacement or uh, another dog um, for the first time in like a while since uh, that had happened and like six months, I want to say, and deci- had decided to name her Sweet Pea. So I got really, I got initially really emotionally overwhelmed at the gift because I just thought it was one of the most thoughtful gifts I had ever <laughs> you, received. You start crying immediately. I <laughs> was really, over, like, it was so thoughtful. I was so, and I was so scared because, like, maybe this says something to what a shitty person I am. I'm always afraid of, like, immaterial gifts. But I, like gifts that are experiences and even that's though that's what I was going you for you weren't even you know we didn't like know for sure that it was going to be able to be an experience once you said that it was like oh this is an amazing yeah. get like it was just so thoughtful and the i and like i don't want for much so the idea that yeah. it was a gift to me to try to put I, more wolves into the world. I feel like that's all I do, though, is get you things that are, like, immaterial and more, like, things to do rather than, like, you're just not, like, and this is a good thing. You're not, like, a materialistic person. Yeah. Like, you got, if you got me a video game, I'd be, like, so pumped. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I get you, like, but when I, 
when I have gotten you things like that, I tried to make them things that it, at least I have some sort of like personal relationship yeah. to, or that I know you have a personal relationship or like to them. Adult, well, I don't want to. I was about to say adult toys, and I mean that in a specific way. In that there, you meant like the keyboard. I like got yes, you. I was yeah. referring to the keyboard where it's like something I can play with. Right. But, like, facilitates a interest of mine that allows me to be creative. Yes, in way. yeah, because I Not, also got you, like, yeah. hockey equipment. Yes. Well, these are things that, to me, are still kind of experiential yeah. gifts, you know, in some ways. I like, typically have more to unwrap than you. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like, in uh, the last few bouts of yeah. gift giving, yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. And, and you've gotten me a lot of, like, tickets to things. Yeah. A lot of hands are ticks. But those are things that I wouldn't necessarily buy for myself right. that mean a lot and I love when I get them. So, like, to, that to me is a great gift. That's what a gift, yeah. like, should be. And I was, and I knew you would like the concept of it, but, go, like, sight unseen to, like, getting you stuff to this place. And, like, thankfully they sent, when you adopt it, uh, when you make a donation, they send, like, you a package, and you got, like, a killer shirt. Yes. There's some killer pictures and, like, a calendar. And it was all very, like, well done and high quality. That made me feel, like, more comfortable. Because yeah, my nightmare was... to find a really good place. Yeah, I gave money to a place that, like, abused the shit out of some wild animals. Yeah. And certainly those places exist. You know what I mean? So, one of the... I think it is good to... To talk about, like, our trip there before also, I get... Also, the wolf was born on 420? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. April 20th. Uh, light him up for I lay him up. <laughs> uh, so, sorry. I just had to get that back in there, because... Uh, no, it was definitely... I meant to mention it, too, so I'm glad yeah. you did. Um, <laughs> nice, sweet pea. Um, it was really fun going there because, like I said, I feel like my like finger being on the pulse of like what was actually going on with wolves, or uh, you know, reading as much as I used to about them. Uh, uh while I was in, like, late high school and college, um, it was cool to, like, revisit that world of, like, conservation and this very specific reservation center and uh, to hear a lot of things that I, like, already knew and that I had learned a lot about when I was growing up. Uh, and that was, like, when when in this presentation they did when we got there, they launched into this Yellowstone project. I was like, oh, I've read and heard a ton about yeah. this. Um, so they they felt like the wolves were an endangerment and removed them from the ecosystem entirely. And as a result, because of the way that the world works and nature... <laughs> You know, fucking science. Uh, a bunch of the park just started like dying, like right because um, there were because there were less predators for the uh, herbivores in the park, right? And the herbivores were just like free reign without population check, eating kind of all the greenery and vegetation. Yeah, grass and like this one particular type of elm, I believe. Yeah. 
uh, they're just like eating all of the bark and the leaves off of the trees and like all this stuff. And as a result, the trees were dying out and the grasslands were getting really thinned out. So all the animals that, you know, all the like smaller rodentia and um, birds and such didn't have anywhere to live. Yeah. So they were like, oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, it's like a really cool practical example of like, like an ecosystem and like the food chain and yeah. how it like really works to keep everything in balance. And when they removed this one element, it fell off balance. And this land we were supposed to preserve was dying. Yeah, yeah. Because We've... because you took one animal out of it. Yeah. So they reintroduced um, some uh, gray wolf, I believe, uh, populations um, into the park, and within a factor of years i want to say if you have like side by sides of what the ecosystem yeah. look like it's like night and day there's already way more vegetation and all they're doing is uh taking out the weakest members of those species right. it's you know literally the food chain and and darwinism uh because that was another problem was even the herbivores were starting to like get sicker because the members of their populations that should be dying and what? should be being killed weren't. So these uh, worst genes were being passed along in a way that they wouldn't if the cycle was right. complete. Um, which which loops back to how wolves eat. Mm -hmm. And they're not vicious things that are looking to attack things. Mm -mm. They look for a big meal and then they're set for a while. Yeah, so like they might come, you know, a small pack of wolves might come up on a, a herd of elk and see that one of them is like limping or, you know, misfigured or something and surround it and kill it. And like, yes, that's... A bummer for the elk, you know, <laughs> at the time, but it also makes them faster to be able to get away yeah. from the wolves. And it, like you said, that one kill can sustain their pack for a long time. So it's not like they're just like running around for sport. Because uh, they sleep a lot. Yeah, yeah, to conserve energy, and um, they're up at it was it was dusk to dusk and dawn. Yeah. It's like, then they'll take a nap in between is when they kind of are active, I believe. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just really, and, and easily the most depressing thing about that experience was not, had nothing to do with the facilities or, um, you know, the, the environment that these particular wolves had been given to live in, but it was that. Uh, they had like a long story about trying to reintroduce red wolves, which are totally endangered, um, back into nature. And every time they try to do it, it seems somehow they end up getting shot. Yeah. And it's pro it's like, you know, mostly hunter types, because they do a lot of research about where to reintroduce them into the wild in order for them to avoid um, accidentally having uh, encounters with humans. It's not like they're going up to farms and like seeking out human interaction. Yeah. It's more that humans are going into where they live and seeing them as a threat. 
or or for sport i don't know if uh you know there's a way to tell the differentiation and part of it is to the uh the like uh the way it is in media and stories, the concept of the big bad wolf. Yes. So like a lot of there is attribute a lot of these kill, these deaths, and it was it was kind of funny how like brutal they were it, about it. They, they were you, very the first thing forthcoming. The first thing we we went there for a specific program, and the first thing they did was take you into this room and show you this video and give you like a talk about wolves. And they would they would just brutally be like, "We raised this wolf. We you know we did all these things. They we tell you like the water, whole story, and then a week after we released it, it was." shot and killed and you were just like jesus it was so <laughs> depressing like it made me so at a time where we were already feeling pretty like uh um misanthropic yeah it made me even more so just because i was just like fuck why yeah. can't we get anything right like yeah. so much time and energy and yeah. and Funding from uh, both like governmental um, preservation type funding and independent, uh, you know, donations like yours goes into these programs trying so hard to like not let an entire species of animal just be like wiped off the planet only for some jag off with a gun (laughs) to just fucking put a bullet between its eyes. And it's like deeply depressing yeah. to me and one of the things this place does to to give wolves a to show people that like teach people about wolves is they have four ambassador wolves mm-hmm. now these ambassador do you want to explain this story? no you're doing okay. a great job I've, <laughs> I've learned uh uh these ambassador wolves will never be released back into the wild they will spend their lives on conservation sites and like reservations and they're meant to be like front facing with humans so that they can see them as non-threatening and teach them about them uh so part of this the the little excursion we did was we went to the to the enclosures that the wolves in when when we say enclosures that sounds small but they were big sprawling pieces yeah of like i want like, at least an acre yeah for each of them and uh we got to howl with them Mm-hmm. Uh, they were by, they were behind a fence, so it wasn't like we were just like roaming amongst them. Uh, and we watched them get fed, and and like two of the wolves were doing like like dog like legit dog tricks. Yes, like yeah. which is not how wolves work at all. Right, but because of the the trainers and the handlers, not even they're not intentionally training them, but because the handlers have certain. Uh, habits um, in the way that they're fed and when they when there is a large you know group of people that they come to show them they know that a large group of people means they're about to get food so they act in a specific way as a result of that they know that you know a big bucket and (laughs) a glove being put on the hand of the handler knows that they're about to get food so they react in a specific way like you're saying those aren't necessarily traits that uh, wolf in the wild would possess <laughs> because they're not they don't yeah. have that kind it's of like interaction. Classical, it's just classical conditioning. Right. But these these tools were like before the handler would throw the food were like doing the, this like coordinated like perfectly in sync like this like hop dance like they were jumping and like waiting for the food and like it, it was it was wild to see and like there were we were <laughs> there was no one there that was our age that didn't have somebody younger with them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very true, yeah. <laughs> so we were the oldest people there without children. I don't know if that's true because remember there oh, was yeah, at least yeah, one was like the, an yeah. older mom like type. A woman and her mom. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they yeah. were like asking really fun, like yeah. they're asking great questions and we're just like genuinely engaged yeah. with it. And it was just like this middle-aged woman and her like, uh, you know, elderly mom. Yeah, and it was really encouraging to see like the amount, because it was sold out. There were, it was, there like, were so many people there. Were, there. there you know, there are more people there. When I was sure it was going to be like, Th- yeah. You know, you thought it was gonna be like an improv show. Yeah, <laughs> I've been, I've grown accustomed to any gathering of people only being other people who work with wolves. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's just gonna be us and the wolves, uh, and then the wolves would do a set and it'd be a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the wolves asked us if we could stay in the audience while they played. Yeah, right. Uh, but we got to see that. Uh, well, my favorite part of it was. There were three wolves that were together, and then one who was like, who was like, kind of the bigger dude, and it was, and he was uh, reportedly a little like aggressive with the other wolves. Yeah. Uh, uh, a couple, I think it's because there's just like more than one alpha, yeah. in, in a group that doesn't necessarily like belong together. Yeah, because they weren't all from the same litter, correct. if that's the correct word. Yes, but it was so it was just starting to get dark um, as we started this, and by the time we got up to the final wolves. Enclosure it had completely got dark, and the wolf wasn't at the like the fence when we got up there. So she had to kind of like make some noise to uh, to to get it to come forward, and we were just kind of like staring out into the woods. So it was like perfectly dark, and we legitimately got to see a giant wolf, a giant white wolf, like emerge from nothingness, like I like out of a mist or out of a movie, and it was. Probably one of the coolest things I've still ever seen to this day. Like, even though we were on, like, rickety Little League bleachers yeah. behind a fence. And, like, you know what I mean? You still saw it emerging yeah. in a natural like, way. Like, if you saw it in the wild, you'd be like, oh, my Patronus. Like, yeah. Like, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. In a way that, like, imagine you're driving and you see, like, a deer you know come out of the edge of the woods next to the road you you get a very specific feeling of like oh oh wildlife like you know like and and we probably uh yearn for those kinds of moments because the closest we get to that are like rats and bunnies (laughs) yeah and like that whole that was worth the price of admission alone to me just something as simple at uh as seeing a wild creature in basically its habitat. Yeah. Uh, kind of emerge out of nothingness. It was just a really cool uh, experience. And then, uh, so as we were leaving, um, yeah. the the instructor uh, of this program was like, uh, and actually in the enclosure behind you is a brand new wolf, uh, red wolf, that we just got. Um, and so you probably won't see it because it's probably still going to be really nervous around humans. And we just opened, uh, the middle part of its enclosure so it can even come over here if it wants to. And all of a sudden this woman, uh, like one of the other customers on the tour was like, is that it? (laughs) We, you know, you think like, no, you know, she saw something else or whatever. And we all, you know, 
like gingerly walk up these little league bleachers and kind of like turn around to where she's indicating. And the woman uh, leading the program is like, well, yes. <laughs> there it is. That's it. And you could t- sense, you know, a hesitation to it. And to me, it read as, oh, well, fuck what I was saying. Yeah. You know? No, I look like a fucking idiot. Because I was just like, you won't see this thing. It's literally and the some words. Dope, who wasn't even listening, was like, is this it? That is exactly how it happened. And it was so funny. And she just had to face, like, yeah, yeah. that's it. And so, but. but the reason that she had gotten as disheartened as she did is the fact that a wolf that they were going to try to reintroduce into the wild eventually was that comfortable with 40 humans being on the other side of that fence and still getting that close to it was a very disheartening moment because as i discussed earlier humans are assholes on the whole (laughs) who, if approached by something that seems like a threat, they will kill no questions asked, uh, whether in actuality or in spirit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So she was just kind of like discussing that as we were like, uh, you know, yeah. looking at it and taking pictures of it, and there was like <laughs> doing all the things that we flashing lights at it, and, and stuff. the wolf was fine with it. Uh, yeah, because it's more beneficial for the wolf to be so scared of humans that it stays away from them, as it all correct, help, as we give it a higher chance of survival. Correct. And it did, uh, it did turn around and walk away yeah, eventually. But uh, you know, the question that I then wanted to hang around to be able to ask, uh, as she did offer herself uh, up. To that was. And I don't know her name, but she was great. She was great. Yeah, yeah I wish I could remember her name yeah. too. This is like Lauren or Heather or something like that. Yeah, it's some, some one of those total wolf girl. Uh, it's one of those. <laughs> I was gonna say one of those names off the the hills. <laughs> um, Abrina? Partridge? The hills? Isn't that what is she from? What are you talking? About? Are you talking about the MTV show The Hills? Yeah. What was Abrina Partridge on? I have no idea who that is. Who is the other one? Uh, with Spencer Conrad and Spencer and, that's the same and who, show yeah who was who was his Whitney I don't know why do I know these names seems like you know more about it than I do. anyway wolves it's okay um I was the one who went there in the first place mm-hmm. uh so she oh I was like is this like last call for this wolf then like are they never gonna be able yeah. to release it and she was like last call well um Here's the, like, kind of good news is that we haven't done um, the extensive, like, uh, health uh, checks that we would typically do with all of our animals, including the super wild ones that we're going to reintroduce. And once that happens, which should be a very traumatic experience (laughs) for the wolf, then it will hopefully not be as, you know, readily available to human contact right. because it's there's going to be, like, a big team of scientists and handlers and a big, like, cage yeah. and a bunch of, like, needles yeah. and all, like, you know, 
going to the doctor is traumatizing for most humans. Right. Let alone a scared dog-like animal yeah. that has no clue what's going yeah, on. Yeah, imagine if the doctor was a different species the first yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like, it would be like a, akin thing, to, a like... A thing that an, you completely aren't. Yeah, like. akin to, like, an alien encounter. Yeah. And uh, so she basically said that they would have to have hopes that that would be uh, both, you know... Uh, beneficial for their purposes of yeah. you know knowing more about the woe itself, but also literally traumatizing enough so that it would not it, want to. Be it would learn the anymore. fear of humans that is necessary for its survival in the wild. Correct. Um, so the last question I'll ask you is: How has your love of wolves mm-hmm. informed or enhanced? your creative process or how you are creative in your life. Did I get that right? That's really, yeah. I think you asked it like probably better than I do. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I'll usually just ask like what the influence is uh, on a person's life, like creatively and, and in general, but I like the idea of it informing it or enhancing it a lot. Um, so the show that I wrote last summer that was like semi autobiographical, mm-hmm. I included you a conversation about wolves, and so that's a just one direct relation to it. Um, otherwise, let's see. Uh, I do think that. I really have come to understand that the way that I operate that excites me the most in creative uh, ways is by surrounding myself with people who really inspire me to be the best version of me I can be whether that's like on stage or off stage or the people who like when I make them laugh that's a f- the biggest W it could be you know and the audience laughter is almost secondary to that which is probably uh you know not the best way to be operating and probably like a problem with no. the way that Chicago comedy operates no, but man. the I'm gonna get emotional. Um, <laughs> for for some reason, uh, I seem to have landed in um, multiple environments since I came to Chicago, and even like I think this definitely started um, at Governor School and at Furman, mm-hmm. of especially at Furman, of just. getting the opportunity to create uh, comedy and improv and written material or whatever with people who I consider my best friends. Um, and uh, it makes it hard sometimes to like continue friendships after those opportunities um, are less consistent. And it also makes it difficult to like draw a line between what you're doing for the group or for the creative endeavor and what you're doing for your friendships and for the like 
interpersonal relationships that are created. Um, but that has certainly colored my whole experience in the Chicago community. Um, and my best friends here are uh, people who I've either in the past or currently am um, embarking on creative endeavors with. And if that isn't a like pack mentality, yeah, right. I don't know what is. And you may have multiple packs. I think I do too. And uh, I really like, and, and you know, um, it's really interesting to see how they have like uh, grown or shrank and changed and evolved mm -hmm. in some ways over the years. Uh, but it would be pretty foolish of me to ignore the like pack mentality of what my creative uh, endeavors have been over the years with this being probably the thing that I've done the most independently but also the only way that it perpetuates itself is by having the large pack right. that I do of, you know, all of those little packs, all of those people have been on this show now, like yeah. with very small exceptions. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without all of these really lovely people who, I get to pick the brains of. Um, so that's the best way that I know to answer <laughs> that question. <laughs> I think you answered it perfectly. Ooh, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> well, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but you have uh, an engagement. You have another pack to get to shortly. Uh, <laughs> I do. I think we've been doing this for, I think... You, you pass the guest host I, challenge the with flying colors. I can't read this. Oh, buck 16. I know. Yeah, you not? nailed it. That's what I'm saying. She's going to put an intro on it. So when I say a buck I, 16, if you look, it won't be that. I, don't, just, yeah. I didn't know if I was going to because of the circumstances, but I can I think you still have to. Okay. Uh, I don't mean you don't have to do it how you want. I'm oh, I should. I, I was, uh, you're probably right because you're hosting this part yeah. of it. It probably makes more sense yeah. for me to have like an intro that's yeah. me. Yeah, um, for sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah. But you, you nailed it in terms Good. of. Thank you. Thanks for that live note as well. You did. Um, thank you for coming on your own show. <laughs> thank you for having this idea. I really enjoyed talking about it, and I hope it made some semblance of sense along the way. I think it made sense. Even if we got off track a little bit. I don't really think. I, I think we did pretty good. Boom. I didn't realize how much of my interest in it was, like, book-related. Yeah. Like, I never thought about that. I didn't know that either. Uh, uh, so that was well, a really interesting thing I'll for me to discover. I'll say again, um, if you're looking to donate to a good wolf cause, check out nywolf.org if you're up in the uh, South Salem area, which is like, it's not a panhandle. I don't know, that little sliver of New York between Pennsylvania and Connecticut. Yeah. If you're on 84... Uh, <laughs> um, um, that's where that is uh, check out their website check out their little live cams uh, live cameras of wolf enclosures <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I realize there's another way live cam if you say live we don't want listen 
I, You've already said adult toys. I know. I don't mean to be doing this. It just happens. None, uh, neither of those things have anything to do with their uh, more widely known use. <laughs> but so uh, give a shout out to that because that was a great experience and a program that we both made us feel good and happy that people are out there. Uh, as shitty as some humans can be, there are the good ones that are still trying to help. And animals that can need our help sometimes. And and is are they like entirely donation based? I remember I we asked so. this question. Yeah, yeah, I believe they are. I think they, they don't are have too. any federal funding. If they did, it's probably going that's away. exactly why I brought it up because I was like, while they may not be too affected yeah. by the assured slashing of yeah. a lot of <laughs> a lot of things that you know, let's not get into that. That's oh, for another no, time. No, no, no. But um, that's it. The last thing I'll say is keep it crispy. No. <laughs> I've always wanted to say keep it crispy. Um, is I love you and I mean that. Oh, yay. I love you too. Okay. Baby, how you feeling? This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.